0: While he spent about seven years in the Pacific Northwest, his time in the 90s as Archbishop of Portland was really brief, but the tenure of Cardinal Francis George was so important to many Catholics here in Oregon. Now, Cardinal Francis George was an exemplary pastor, heroic disciple of Christ, but did you know that he was told as a young man that he'd never be a priest in Chicago because of a physical disability? Well, that's some of what you'll learn and know about the legacy of Cardinal George in a new book titled Glorifying Christ, the Life of Cardinal Francis George. And joining me this morning is the book's author, Michael Heinlein. Michael, good morning. Thank you so much for joining us today.
1: It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: Well, what an incredible book, and we remember just that brief tenure here for those who were in Oregon and in Portland in the 90s. We remember Bishop George as he was at that time. How did you first become introduced to Cardinal George?
1: Well, I grew up in the uh, northwest uh, Indiana and Chicago suburbs, so I remember in grade school when Cardinal Bernadine, his predecessor, had died, and the uh, great awaitment of who would be his successor. So everyone was um, in the Chicago media buzzing about uh, the fact that a new Archbishop of Chicago was going to be named, and I remember that, because the, the Church, at least then, um, and for a long time before that, was so very much part of the Chicago culture and media, and so um, it was a matter of great interest. And so I remember from the moment he was appointed to Chicago in April of 1997. Um, And then I followed Cardinal George through the media, but then as I grew in the faith and uh, had new insights into his uh, ministry and had a real great appreciation for uh, his ability to teach the faith so convincingly and so clearly. By the time I was in college, um, I was reading his uh, bi-weekly column in his Archdiocese newspaper, and just had a real great appreciation for his nuance and and for his ability to think through contemporary questions and issues uh, that affected the lives of believers. So uh, by the time Cardinal George died in 2015, I was teaching high school theology at the time, and uh, I, like so many other people, was, was questioning, you know, how can we keep his legacy alive, which is so rich and so um, beautiful, his, his witness as a disciple and as a bishop. And um, so God put me on this path. Uh, it's nothing that I particularly sought out to do. I, I wanted to do what I could to make sure that the Cardinal's name and, and uh, witness lived on, and thought about some other projects, maybe compiling some of his columns or whatever. But there was a lot of encouragement from people who were close to him um, to write a biography. Mm. And so um, I thought, well, let's start it and see where God leads. And uh, I'm grateful that he's led us here.
0: Oh, we are grateful too. And we're grateful to have time with you this morning to talk about your new book. It is called Glorifying Christ. It is out by our Sunday visitor. The author is Michael Heinlein, and he is joining us today. Well, as I said in the introduction, I was really surprised because it, it wasn't prominent to me and just seeing pictures of him or seeing speeches that that Cardinal George was doing, that he suffered from a disability that almost kept him from being a priest, but through his own perseverance, well, we know what happened. So tell us about a young Father George there in the uh, Diocese of Chicago.
1: Yes, uh, well, people may remember sometimes he would fall. I know that people in Yakima, where he had been bishop for five and a half years, remember that. And that was because he had a disability, as you mentioned. He had the effects of polio, which struck him when he was 13 years old. And later in life, he had to start wearing a brace when he was in his 40s um, on his right leg. And so he his balance was off. His gait was off because of the effects of the polio. And there were a lot of other health problems that came with that. But when he was 13 and... Uh, and was spending several months in the hospital, he was starting to wonder what the future would be, because he had his eyes set on priesthood in Chicago. And uh, the way that the system worked in those days was that you, after eighth grade, matriculated to the high school uh, seminary. And uh, so they were willing to accept him as a student, but they told him point blank that he would never be a priest in Chicago because of his disability. And uh, in his own words, uh, which I quote in the book, he said, to heck with you guys, because he knew that the Lord was calling him to be a priest. He felt that call very strongly when he was eight at the time of his first communion. And so, as I say, his eyes were set on it, and he wasn't going to let anybody interfere with what he really felt in his heart the Lord was calling him to. So uh, through a friend, he was connected with a religious congregation, the Oblates of Mary Immaculate, which is a a global missionary order, and they ran a high school seminary outside of St. Louis across the Mississippi River in Belleville, Illinois. And so he made the way his way down there and uh, attended there for several years as a, a high schooler and then first two years of college, and really fell in love with the community and found a home there. And they accepted him uh, when he was in eighth grade. They accepted him to this seminary. By simply telling him, if you can walk across the room, you have a future as an oblate priest. And his sister recalled that memory to me with tears in her eyes, and Mm. uh, she really, you know, she saw up close how God worked through her brother's life all through these years, and how, you know, her brother's life was a constant yes to the Lord, and he wouldn't let anyone get (laughs) in his way of saying yes to the Lord. So it was a beautiful memory that she could share that really, uh, you know, underscored the importance of his vocation.
0: Well as a son of Chicago he became a priest, served there for years but then well the call became came for him to be a bishop and a bishop they moved him clear across the country to small Yakima, Washington. We know that that's a diocese just on the north side of the river and east side of the state the diocese with a large migrant farm worker population. Kind of tell us a little bit about those years as he learned to become a bishop and serve those that were really marginalized in society.
1: Yeah, that was a real uh, opportunity for him to live out his oblate vocation. So the oblates are attentive to the poor and attentive to preaching the gospel to the poor. And so he spent his years as an oblate priest, um, you know, kind of immersed in that mission But most of that time was spent in administration. He had served 12 years as vicar general of the congregation, overseeing some 6,000 priests and brothers around the world. And he traveled to dozens of countries during that time, never stayed in a hotel, always uh, stayed with the local oblate, sometimes sleeping on the floor, you know. Um, But that really prepared him for his time as a bishop of Yakima. Uh, I I would have to say, though, first, uh, that... He did not necessarily want the appointment, and he tried to talk the apostolic nuncio out of it and said that he didn't know where Yakima was, and he wasn't fit to be a bishop there but uh as as they challenged him uh his his real vocation as an oblate was to be obedient to the pope, and so he he had accepted that position, but then he accepted it with a clean heart and with a with a with a loving heart, and he really embraced the local church there, and he really, truly loved it. He always said that Yakima taught him how to be a bishop, mm. and he really, um, because it was a small diocese, and because it uh, serves, you know, as you say, uh, people who are uh, on the marginalized side of of the church, um, he really was able to uh, exhibit what it meant to be a pastor, And so by the time he left Yakima, after five and a half years, the Yakima Herald Republic, uh, in their kind of farewell piece about him on the the cover of the newspaper there, recalled him as the good bishop. Mm. And that's all he ever wanted to be. He said toward the end of his life, you know, how will people remember me? I just want to be remembered as a good bishop. And that was a man who cared for his people, who spent time with his people, who was available to his people, who listened to his people and who really had the heart of Christ for them. And uh, I certainly think, you know, that that's what he's remembered for, even still today.
0: Oh, absolutely. A good bishop, indeed. And that good bishop, well, he came to Portland not too long after that. But... I am coming up against my break. Michael, I want to talk more about Cardinal George and as he was Archbishop George when he was here in the Portland area, but I'm coming up against my break. Can you stay with me through the break so we can continue in the next half hour?
1: Absolutely. I'd love it.
0: Oh, I I am now continuing a wonderful conversation with author Michael Heinlein. He has put together a wonderful book. It is published by our Sunday visitor, Glorifying Christ, the Life of Cardinal Francis George. Michael is joining me today because we remember, well, the early years of young Father George and then Bishop George when he spent years in Yakima. Well, from Yakima, he didn't drive too far down the Columbia River Gorge. His next post, Michael, right here in the Archdiocese of Portland. It wasn't very long, but he still had an impact. Tell us a little bit about, well, those 11 months that Archbishop George was with us.
1: Yes, that's right. He was always adamant to point out that even though he was appointed to Chicago 10 months after he was in Portland, he stayed another month. And so he was there 11 months and he uh, really didn't want to leave. He he asked, uh, at the time, the Apostolic Nuncio to find another candidate, because he said, I really don't think this is fair to the good people of the Archdiocese of Portland to lose a bishop again so soon. And he really felt that, uh, you know, he would be able to uh, help the Church by just staying put for a little while. But nonetheless, he was obedient to the call, and he went to Chicago. But those 11 months were filled with... Uh, a variety of things. Even from the time of his installation in May of 1996, Cardinal George was someone who was outspoken about the issues that people were dealing with at a state level. So we had uh, proposals on abortion and euthanasia on the table in the state of Oregon at that time, and he was very much outspoken in defense of what the Church taught, but what was best for society and what was best, uh, you know, for, for humanity, what was the common good, he also had to deal with a uh, uh, issue of religious freedom in Oregon when a uh, confession was taped between oh, a priest of, course. of the archdiocese.
0: We know and, Father, uh, yeah, Father Mikaitis yes. has shared that story well with us. I did not realize that that was during that year that Archbishop George was with us.
1: Yes, that had erupted just before he came, and uh, so he dealt with that and stayed, uh, you know, very supportive of Father Mikaitis during that time, and ended up you know, in, in court during the uh, trial and uh, the follow-up with the appeal and so on. And uh, yeah, he, he really was a voice. And this was a time when religious liberty wasn't thought of as something as threatened as it is today. And so he was kind of, you know, cluing in uh, the bishops throughout the country and even the Holy See about what are the ramifications of this. And uh, that certainly shaped him later on when he became cardinal in Chicago and archbishop uh, there and also president of the U.S. Bishops Conference at the time when he also was dealing with threats of religious liberty, kind of under the Obama tenure and the HHS mandate uh, with health care.
0: Oh, well, let's talk a little bit more about that. Michael Heinlein is joining me today. A wonderful new book I think that every family would absolutely enjoy. It is Glorifying Christ, the Life of Cardinal Francis George. Well, while we know and love and understand the impact that Cardinal George had here in the Pacific Northwest, it was really once he was called back to Chicago to take that post where nationally now he was really recognized for his work. And as you said, also at the USCCB, uh, a, a coming home of a Chicago son for sure. Now tell us a little bit about not only his impact in Chicago, but really how he was able to shape well American Catholic identity as president of the USCCB. Yeah,
1: so it was really, as I said in the book, something like a line out of God's poetry that he was sent back to a place that told them they never wanted him. And uh, so he became archbishop of his hometown in 1997, became a cardinal the year after that. And, uh, you know, he he served at a a time when uh, the Church was under a variety of uh, pressures, So we had, you know, secularization happening and and churches having to close, schools having to close, and so on and so forth. But he was very much focused on evangelization, about preparing people uh, for the future, and there's a very famous line of his uh, when he was talking about, um, you know, what's the worst that could happen, someone asked him, and he said, well, I would die in bed, my successor will die uh, in jail, his successor will be a martyr in the public square. But then he said, then his successor will pick up the shards of a broken society and restore them, as the Church has always done. Hmm. So he was a man who could see things as they were. He had a real handle for where things were going, but he was fundamentally a real disciple, rooted in the truth, a man of hope, who could help us to see, you know, what has happened in the Church's life in the past might happen again. But that's okay, because as long as we have Christ will make it through. And really, if you look at his life, all the struggles and difficulties that he dealt with, he was a man who clearly understood the cross and lived it out, and was, you know, enabling those who uh, followed him as as shepherd uh, to embrace the cross and to live it out as well. But he made many contributions as Archbishop of Chicago because he was involved with so many different things nationally and internationally. So you look at the translation of the Roman Missal that we've used for the last 10 or 12 years. Uh, he was very instrumental in bringing that about. And then he was vice president and president of the U.S. Bishops' Conference. As I had mentioned earlier, it was a time when the Church was dealing with new threats mm-hmm. to religious liberty that we hadn't really faced before. And he was able to unite the bishops in a way uh, that, that, you know, was very uh, clear in a way that was uh, uh, very important at that time, because you needed to have a, a united front against a government that was asking us to do things that were against our conscience. And so he was able to do that. It was a very providential time that he was elected to leadership. But as so many bishops told me, he was the one that bishops looked to for answers, for leadership. Whenever he spoke, everyone listened. That doesn't necessarily mean everyone always agreed with him. But he could sure. always speak in a convincing way and could always lead people back to Christ. And so he was a, a real, real uh, intellectual. He had two doctorates, uh, but he was a real pastor, too. And he was someone who could always um, focus people around Christ and bring unity around who Christ really was, okay. is, is. <laughs>
0: Yeah, absolutely. And what a beautiful way that you have brought this forward again in your new book. It is called Glorifying Christ, the Life of Cardinal Francis George. Michael, where are people going to be able to pick up a copy for themselves?
1: Well, the book is available through the publisher, osvcatholicbookstore.com, or you can find it on Amazon or Barnes & Noble or anywhere else books are sold.
0: Oh, fantastic. Well, we encourage our listeners, if you want to get a copy for yourself, maybe walk into one of our wonderful Catholic bookstores. I'm sure they would be able to get a copy for you. Well, if they don't already have them on the shelf. Michael, thank you so much for joining me today and sharing a little bit about the life of Cardinal George.
1: It's wonderful. Thank you so much.
0: And again, that is author Michael Heinlein. So then the title of the book, one more time, Glorifying Christ, the Life of Cardinal Francis George. It is out by our Sunday Visitor Press. I will be sure to add a link to where you can get right to OSV, purchase a copy for yourself. You can find that link on the podcast of this interview, materdayradio.com or the Hail Mary media app.